This is EM Pulse with your hosts, Sarah Medeiros and Julia Magana. A vote for health. It's that time of year again. Apple picking, costume shopping, pumpkin spice lattes, and elections. I know, and I know every election is crucial, but it really feels like this one is. Oh, but Sarah, it makes me so sad that U.S. voting rates are in the bottom 25% of developed nations. And our patients, the disenfranchised, the marginalized, the patients without access are disproportionately at risk to not exercise the right to vote. And there are so many issues handled by our elected representatives that affect our patients, such as health insurance, housing, drug addiction management, mental health resources, and so much more. These are very real issues with real consequences for our patients. No matter where they land on the topic, our patients should have a voice. They have that right and they should feel empowered to execute it. And with closure of motor vehicle registration offices and other in-person voting registration locations, voter registration rates are down nationwide. Yet another COVID challenge that impacts populations disproportionately. Everyone should be allowed, even encouraged, to vote and use their voices. I agree, Sarah. They should. But how? This is a huge systems issue, even beyond our hospital system. Well, the folks at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston thought it was our problem. They founded Vote ER, a program that encourages nonpartisan voter registration using iPads, posters, discharge paperwork, or badge buddies with QR codes. Several emergency departments adopted this across the U.S., including our own here at UC Davis. Dr. Katrin Tyler is a professor of emergency medicine here at Davis and vice chair of wellness. She championed the concept at our institution, so I caught up with her outside the ED to learn more. Katrin, you introduced us to Vote ER. Tell us more about what that is and how you got involved. So Vote ER is sort of a health policy program that actually was first instituted at the Massachusetts General Hospital by an emergency physician named Alistair Martin. And actually, I think I first saw it on Twitter and just sort of followed the rabbit hole back to their website. And I thought, wow, this is so obvious. Why aren't we doing it? And what exactly is Vote ER? It's just a way of linking people to the voter registration programs that already exist in their state. It doesn't do anything more complicated than just provide a direct link. And really, the the point is that when you're providing healthcare, it's just a way to have another conversation about somebody's health and the benefits of being involved. So when people come into the ED, they're not generally thinking about politics. So how do you even get around to this and, and why should we be doing this in the ED? Well, firstly, I don't think voting has got much to do with politics, <laughs> sort of ironic as that sounds. And actually, you know, you can probably tell from my voice, I'm Australian in origin, and it's just a lot easier to be enrolled to vote um, in other countries than it is in this country. And so it always sort of struck me as ridiculous that there's all these sort of hoops that people have to jump through in order to be registered. And when we know that really civic involvement is good for people on every level, it just sort of struck me that this is just one piece of the puzzle that we can be contributing to. I think actually the hardest thing is just the logistics of actually just changing your workflow and remembering to ask about it. If you believe that as many people should be registered 
to vote as possible, then it just becomes really a, a sort of a, a conversation that can be as simple as, hey, a lot of people have moved or changed addresses. Do you know if your voter registration is still active? And then it just gives people the opportunity at that point to engage or not. And they can just scan the QR code with their phone. It's completely nonpartisan. But I just think it's important to encourage civic engagement at all levels. And obviously voting is one of the key parts of that. So do professional organizations support VoteR? Yes, I think there's actually a huge number of organizations that are behind it. They have many of them listed on their website. And in addition, there's been sort of a little competition between uh, many of the medical schools with many medical schools enrolling hundreds of patients through the Voter ER program. So there's actually hundreds of organizations behind this now. And Chancellor May here at UC Davis approved it as a school of medicine-wide initiative a couple of weeks ago. So what are some concerns that people have about promoting voter registration in the ED? Well, I think, you know, some people are concerned that it will turn into a partisan issue. The whole program is completely nonpartisan and you really, it can be as simple as asking this patient where they want their prescription sent to. You know, are you registered to vote? We know that civic involvement in, in general improves people's health. I sort of understand and don't understand those concerns at the same time because I just think a vibrant democracy depends upon as many people participating as possible. It doesn't matter if they disagree with you. It's just important that everybody get out to vote where they can. Have you ever had a patient react negatively when you've asked? A couple of people have dismissed it and said, I'm fine. And at that point, you know, it's not worth pushing or pursuing. This is something for sort of global good and you don't want to disenfranchise somebody. But you have actually been successful as well in registering some people. Yes. Yeah. And I think, in fact, I checked last week and UC Davis Emergency Department ourselves had registered about 30, 35 people. That's fantastic. Why do you think this should be a role of emergency physicians? I just think that, you know, one of the things that we face so much in emergency medicine is really the intersection of people's lives and a health system or their health plan. And really nothing affects people's overall health really more than public health. And um, public health is really materially determined by having people be counted in their opinions. And of course, the primary way that we do that in a democracy is by voting. A lot of our patients are disenfranchised in various ways. So, you know, they have mobility issues or it can be hard for them to access certain websites or, you know, the internet in general. And so whatever we can do to help people move that along is all to the good. More broadly, what level of responsibility do you think emergency physicians should have when it comes to politics and health policy and advocacy? Well, I think one of the key things that, you know, I think we've seen in the last, since the pandemic started, is really the importance of paying attention to science and really a approaching public discourse from a science-based perspective. And of course, reasonable people can disagree about what the conclusions of those things are, but I think physicians in general and emergency physicians in particular are sort of uniquely positioned to see where healthcare intersects with society.
I have seen the Badge Buddies around, and I am glad to hear that Katrin and our UC Davis team successfully registered voters. But I have also seen negative responses online, and honestly, I have a few concerns myself. In any given shift, we care for the very sick, the dying patients. We attempt to meet their basic needs and create a safety net for the many things we are not prepared to do. Where is that sweet spot between what we can practically do and the many needs that our patients have, Sarah? Yeah, I know. I have a badge buddy, and I frequently forget to even bring it up. And I could see where some patients might assume the ED staff expect the patient to register or vote in a particular way. The patient may wonder if their care will be impacted by their decision to vote or abstain or how they engage in the discussion. Yeah, that's a concern that some others have as well. Katrin said that no one has expressed these thoughts to her. Also, clinic-based nonpartisan voter registration was done in the 2008 and 2012 elections. Two separate initiatives enrolled patients in health centers. These initiatives described success without impacting physician effort, disrupting clinic workflow, or interfering with the patient-doctor relationship. Patients were open to voter services in that setting. That's really good to hear. On the Vote ER website, they have quite a few partners, including the American Academy of Pediatrics. But I didn't see some of the big emergency medicine organizations on there, Sarah. Yeah, that's true. And we can't speak for them. But in discussion with some members of the ASEP and SAM leadership, they wanted to remain apolitical and focus on encouraging members to vote rather than patients. As you know, Sarah, I'm a member of the American Academy of Pediatrics, and the AAP undertook a similar campaign called Census 2020, Making Sure All Kids Are Counted. We believe that more than 2 million, Sarah, 2 million children went uncounted in the 2010 census. Half of those were under the age of five. This undercount leads to underfunded programs for kids. The AAP recognized that many families were hesitant to share information, but the very people less likely to be counted are the ones who need the services the most. So the AAP encouraged its members to reach out to the families to increase census response. They even created this principal quote-unquote prescription that encourages families to be counted. And they partnered with the Count on Sesame Street to help families know the importance of being counted. That is amazing. Leave it to the pediatricians to partner with Sesame Street. (laughs) (laughs) I really appreciate that the AAP takes bold moves to encourage civic engagement, but it is obviously not always easy. I spoke with Dr. Taylor Nichols, who's an emergency medicine physician and former health policy fellow here at UC Davis. He's also on the board of Cal ASAP, and we talked about the role of physicians in political engagement. So we've spoken about emergency room physicians talking to their patients about completing the census and encouraging them to vote. Is this the role or responsibility of the emergency medicine doc? I don't want to put the pressure on emergency physicians or physicians in general to think that we have to be doing things like this, especially when we potentially face the internal politics of hospitals or departments. But I think more importantly, we all have a civic duty to engage in our political system, in our democracy. Without our engagement, that democracy doesn't work. Do you think that ED physicians as a group should be involved in politics? 
I'm on the board of California ASAP, and I obviously think it's incredibly important. One of my favorite quotes is from Dr. Rudolf Virchow. Medicine is a social science, and politics is nothing else but medicine on a large scale. Particularly as emergency physicians, we are at the nexus of society and healthcare, and that gives us a unique position within society to be able to address the needs of society in terms of healthcare. We see all of the issues that face our patients, and we see all the different reasons people end up in the emergency department, from having actual truly life-threatening emergencies to having difficulties with simply accessing care. We have those stories. We are able to tell them in a compelling way in the halls of Congress on a state or national level. And in doing that, we're able to affect change more so than if we weren't in such a unique position. There's obviously a lot going on in the world right now, right? People are dealing with job loss, um, economic struggles, personal struggles, homeschool, all of these things. What do people need to understand about how policy can ultimately affect their health right now? So there's an increasing discussion around what are the social determinants of health. Now, in looking at those, we're looking more and more upstream. And in looking upstream of the social determinants of health, what we find are really the political determinants of health, which is sort of a new concept. But what it really encapsulates is that policies on a number of issues, including health policy, can have a significant impact on how people are able to access healthcare and on their health outcomes. So when you think about not having access to primary care as a central issue within healthcare, what leads to that is the way we set up health policy, the way we set up health insurance structures, the health systems that exist, but also beyond that, what are the environmental policies? Environment has a significant impact on people's health outcomes. And so the way policy is set can have a significant impact on individual health and individual health outcomes. In terms of where we are right now, what are some important health-related issues that voters should be aware of for the upcoming election? So of the two major party candidates, we have Donald Trump and the Republicans, whose platform has always been to repeal the Affordable Care Act, yet they don't have a actual replacement plan. Repealing the Affordable Care Act would eliminate significant protections that patients have and many of the significant benefits that were passed in the course of passing that bill. Joe Biden's plan, whatever disagreements people may have with it, is based on trying to strengthen and bolster the Affordable Care Act. And one of the things that would be very significant about his plan is the creation of the public option that would allow patients to buy into uh, a public plan and it would be a more affordable option for many people who are in the ACA marketplace. So what solutions do Donald Trump and the Republican Party offer if the Affordable Care Act is repealed? You know, uh, this is something obviously that I study, that I spend a lot of time on, that I'm very involved with. I still don't know what Donald Trump's plan actually is. There is no plan in place to improve the healthcare system as it exists now. What are the arguments for repealing the Affordable Care Act? I think a lot of people are frustrated with the 
cost of health insurance itself. And we've seen premiums go up. We've seen these incredibly high deductible plans exist. And we've seen that people often get caught with bills that they don't realize are going to come to them for seeking health care. A lot of people are frustrated with that, and I completely understand that sentiment. Repealing the entirety of the bill doesn't improve upon that, and it eliminates incredibly important protections that the Affordable Care Act put into place. Any final thoughts or anything you want to cover? So I think one thing that's important to talk about is how COVID-19 has affected the health insurance marketplace and how that has affected healthcare across this country. Prior to COVID, 61% of the entire population had employer-sponsored insurance plans. We've had record number job losses, which means record number of people losing their health insurance. People receiving Medicaid or just marketplace subsidies under the Affordable Care Act will not have access to that if the Affordable Care Act is repealed. That's 13 million people who might entirely lose their coverage. Okay, the ACA is such a huge issue. I think we need to circle back on this in another podcast to dive a little deeper. In the meantime, I agree there is a role for us to engage politically. And despite my questions, I really like what the Vote ER team is doing. And I'm still so impressed with the creative approach the AAP took to get kids counted. (laughs) Well, I sent my ballot in already because I want my vote to count. There are very real issues that will impact us all. Regardless of who you support, I think it's vital we make our voices heard by voting. And I think regardless of your own political stance, we are pro-democracy, and that means pro-everyone participates. So it is wonderful that Katrin and the Warriors of Votiar are trying to increase engagement. Pulse check. Vote ER is a campaign to increase voting registration that is as simple as a QR code on a badge, easy and improves civic engagement. Small studies and provider experience show patients are not against voter registration in the clinical setting. No one is saying you tell them how to vote, just pro participation. The AAP has also encouraged pediatricians to help families be counted in the census because undercounts impact the services to our kiddos. We all need to stay aware of how politics impacts our patients. Aware and engaged if you have the time. We know you are all voting now for elections, and we would appreciate it if you would take a moment and vote for us. Okay, really, it is rate us on iTunes. This helps us get the word out. Oh, and follow us at EM Pulse Podcast. Thank you to our department and colleagues thinking of creative ways to advocate for our patients. And thank you to OM Audio Productions for your vote of confidence. See y'all next time.